0: Little kids eat paste, but nobody eats the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. A rollicking good bit of Medicare fun. He almost beat the sun in a staring contest. Almost. It's Medicare expert Doug Jones. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode number two in the new year, 2024. I am so happy to be uh, bringing Medicare knowledge to those of you who are going to have a Medicare encounter in 2024 because I can be of some help to you. And uh, once you have absorbed the knowledge that I have to offer, you're going to find your Medicare encounter is going to be slicker than snot on a rock. I don't know if snot is ever actually on rocks, but uh, it's going to allow you to encounter Medicare, engage with it, and come out victorious. And the way that I allow people to do that is to encourage them to read my book about Medicare called Medicare for the Lazy Man. Right now, the 2023 edition is still out from last year because it was so good, I can't stop people from buying it. It is going to give you the Medicare knowledge that you seek in bite-sized bits, and it's going to allow you to digest and absorb the Medicare knowledge in such a way that when you decide to enroll in Medicare, you can use the book like a handbook, like an instruction manual, and when you have finished, you can put the book on your shelf And say, aha, if I ever need to uh, tap into that knowledge again, the book is going to be right there. If my progeny get to be the Medicare age they need, uh, the the book will be uh, in a position to serve them very well also. So I would go to Amazon.com or to uh, BarnesandNoble.com and search for Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. Soon it will be 2024. But look for the uh, most recent edition, and you're going to find a plethora of types of books. You're going to find an Audible book that you can listen to. You're going to find an uh, e-book that you can download to your reading device. You can, you're going to find a paperback book. It's really the workhorse of the, uh, of the uh, whole um, Medicare for the Lazy Man uh, industry. And then, of course, I'm going to be having the book published in a hardcover form which is a uh, keepsake it's a a museum quality addition to your library it will be uh it'll be uh, medicare knowledge frozen in time for all who seek knowledge in the future about what medicare was like in the distant past it'll last forever but go to your amazon or to your barnesandnoble.com website search for medicare for the lazy man with the current year maybe 2024 by the time you uh, listen to this and you will find the book waiting for you and it will guide you through your encounter with medicare you'll come out smiling on the other side speaking of smiling i'm looking at a smiling face on my computer screen, it's Randy Carson who does all the real important work around this podcast empire we've created. Randy, it's a pleasure to see you again. Thanks.
1: I'm always happy to see you. You were you were out on the road, you know, partying over the holidays. And sure. We just didn't get to spend very much time recording, but I hear you had a good time and you were able to make it back out of the winterlands to yep. Arizona. Yeah. No hits,
0: no runs, no errors. So far, nothing bad happened. Went to see the uh, uh, children and grandchildren. Uh, they all We all gathered in California, and then we got a big, they've got a huge TV screen hanging on a wall, of course, and uh, we uh, contacted my sister and her family, including Drew McMillan, the announcer for this podcast, uh, who is expecting baby number two, uh, this will be in the summer. His lovely bride Magda is pregnant. Uh, Drew's brother's, um, squeeze is pregnant. Uh, Drew's sister has broken up with her boyfriend and she's being, um, transferred to a corporate location in Calgary, Alberta. I think that's, uh, the province that Calgary is in. And, um, let's see what else uh, transpired. Oh yes. Every, Time we got serious about talking. Everybody was talking all at once, as Joneses always do when they get together. Little Nora's face <laughs> came into the, the the camera, not just the camera range, but her face took up the whole screen. as She examined uh, what was going on there. So uh, it was like having uh, Godzilla walk back and forth across <laughs> you. Yes, exactly like that. He was very curious about what was going on. So in other words, it was a an, uh, a virtual family reunion that was uh, a lot of fun for all of us.
1: Well, I'm glad you had a great time because I know you you were just leading up to year end, you know, in the business that you're in. You were busier than a one-eyed cat watching two mouse holes.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, it was a very busy end of the year and that bodes well for the future. I believe that there are a lot of people that need to get our message. The podcast is not designed to tell people how to interact with Medicare. It's more like a news or, or news uh, uh, conveyance. In other words, here's some interesting stuff about Medicare that you might or might not have known. The real Medicare how-to uh, is delivered by the book. And uh, when I uh, talk to people who have read the book, then I am able to tell them, here's what I think you ought to do. Here's what many people do not know about Medicare and an interesting way that you can interact with Medicare, protect yourself at a very reasonable cost. That's the thing that is the big secret. I'm about the only one out there telling people how to protect themselves from medical expenses at a very, very reasonable cost. So as long as that's a secret, I guess we're going to have people accidentally discovering us. If we can get the word out wider, then we'll have uh, more activity less Doug to deal with because I'll be too busy, but, uh, that's, that's, uh, my long explanation as to what happened at the end of last year. Everything just went haywire.
1: Well, everybody just mark it down. All you guys listening to the podcast today, mark it down. We got some new and exciting stuff planned for the new year. So keep listening because we are going to roll out some, some really good stuff. You're going to be surprised. Yeah. It's going to be a sm- put a smile on your face. But I do have just one thing that we used to do, still haven't run out of the stupid state laws.
0: Well, lay one on me. I'm ready. I'm ready for a I stupid know, I, law.
1: I know Doug loves these things. So, okay. I'm I, once again, I'm going to give you the state because there's no reason for you to know where this law came from.
0: North Carolina. Okay. Beautiful state. People love it okay. there. Okay.
1: Okay, I'm gonna describe an illegal activity in North Carolina. Ooh. And it has to do with graveyards. Graveyards. Yes. What can't you do in a graveyard in North Carolina?
0: I'm gonna say that it has something to do with dancing. Because I believe that people whose relatives are buried in graveyards don't want to have a bunch of drunken strangers dancing on their relatives' graves. So would it be would it have to do with dancing? You know, you're not
1: that far off. I'm going to give that one to you. Oh, boy. That's exciting. Let me read the actual law. I don't know why anyone would want to do this, but apparently there are people whose idea of a good time is relaxing in a cemetery. Oh, boy. The state legislature decided to put a stop to this worrying new trend by banning any hunting, picnicking, playing, romping, camping, or lying full length or sitting on the ground within the confines of a cemetery in North Carolina.
0: Wow, that limits the fun you can have in a cemetery, I guess. (laughs) Jeez, it never occurred to me that cemeteries would be a good place to do that, but, um, boy, I'm just happy that I got pretty close to the actual truth. You got,
1: you know, this is the... we need to mark that down, Doug. This is Red the first day. stupid state law for the for the 2024 and Doug nails it.
0: Uh right on the head. Yeah, I'll never have a victory like this today, so I'm always going to remember today as as uh the the highlight of uh my stupid law uh encounters, I guess. Well, and then
1: plus the other thing is, I, I was heading down to North Carolina, and as usual, I camp in graveyards. So, I, I there's just no reason to go there anymore.
0: Well, there's got to be some other reason. A lot of my <laughs> friends have moved there, so I'm thinking that you might, <laughs> if you put your mind to it, you're probably going to come up with some other reasonable activity that you can do without irritating the authorities and getting arrested.
1: Yeah. Well, the last time I asked them where you know Uncle Harry was, they said he's camping. But in his case, he was camping in a graveyard.
0: For real. (laughs) Well, you might remember our uh, guest, Roy Brotherhood. He was uh, a guest at least once, if not twice. He said shoulder surgery and all kinds of other stuff happened. So he was explaining about his Medicare encounters and how Medicare covered his stuff, his surgeries that he had. And he, when we first met back in 2008, he gave me the transcript of his grandmother's travel log. His grandmother got married, I think, in the 1920s and took a road trip with her new husband to um, the um, the big uh, state park, uh, Yellowstone, yeah. and, and lived there for some period of time, and then eventually came back to their home in Wisconsin. Uh, of course, there, the whole thing was replete with cars breaking down and things like that, and they had to camp everywhere they went because uh, – Motels hadn't really been invented yet, but um, she was an inveterate uh, journaler, I guess you'd say. She kept a diary or a log of everything they did and everybody they met. And one of the things they used to do would be, you know, when it came to be the end of the day and they had driven far enough, they would pull over and uh, just camp out in a farm uh, yard. And I'm not talking about a field far away from the farmhouse or the barns or anything. I'm talking about in a farmer's yard. And typically the family that owned the farm would come out and give them you know some uh, butter or you know the things to make their camping experience more comfortable and yeah. then they would uh, pack up the next morning and and take off down the road and camp in somebody else's yard the following night pretty darn weird i don't remember a time when people americans would drive around the country camping in each other's yards
1: i, I don't re- i i don't remember that either i mean literally where I came from if somebody pulled up and started camping in your yard it wouldn't have a good ending unless they had asked first
0: <laughs> yeah but apparently apparently it was accepted behavior prior to that really well that, yeah
1: you know it's interesting it's it's really interesting the stuff that you you learn uh, you know as past what was appropriate, what wasn't appropriate sure you know it, it's just it's just crazy what things happened and how they've evolved to where we are today.
0: Yep, and uh, where will we be tomorrow? That's the big concern. That's
1: that's the bigger question, Doug.
0: Absolutely. Well, we're not going to solve that today. We might be able to solve a few Medicare or health-related things.
1: Yep, so I'm going to go ahead and mute myself out, and we're going to push you on forward right in front of the audience.
0: All righty. Well, you've heard me talk about the content curator that happens to hang her hat at Shay Jones. Um, she has a plethora of problems. And I ran across two articles that discuss two of her problems. And uh, frankly, I'm at a loss as to which to go with first. But this one, this first one affects her ability to curate content for this podcast, the Medicare for the lazy man podcast. So I thought I'd tackle that one first. And the question is, are you at risk of developing glaucoma? Now she has, wet glaucoma and dry glaucoma. She's got a one eye that's wet and one eye that's dry and she has uh, injections in her eyeballs, one of her eyeballs to uh, keep the pressure at bay And she takes prescription eye drops and stuff and all of this really cuts into the podcast um, uh, curation activity that I am reliant on for, delivering a reasonable podcast. So let's see what this article has to say about glaucoma. It's uh, written by the savvy senior, who is a guy in Oklahoma city uh, who has a, uh, a podcast or not a podcast, a, um, a newspaper column in the daily Oklahoman, And he has recently uh, become more active in the podcast world, or at least the online world. So the question to the savvy senior was, what can you tell me about the eye disease glaucoma? This person said, my older brother was recently diagnosed with it and lost some of his vision, but never had a clue anything was wrong. And this uh, savvy senior, or this guy asks, could I be at risk also? Meaning, is it hereditary? And He signed himself stressed sibling. And the answer that the savvy senior uh, put out there was, yes, having an immediate family member with glaucoma significantly increases your risk of developing it. But there are other risk factors that you need to be aware of too. Here's what you should know. So the first question is, what is glaucoma? It's a group of eye diseases that can damage the optic nerve and cause vision loss and blindness if it's not treated. This typically happens because the fluids in the eye Don't drain properly, causing increased pressure in the eyeball. But the scary thing about glaucoma is that with no early warning signs and no pain, most people that have it do not realize it until their vision begins to deteriorate. And I got to tell you, that's kind of me. I don't have glaucoma. I don't know anybody that uh, had it before, at least before the uh, content curator uh, came down with it, but I don't go to the I doctor regularly, even though they insist that I do that, and I don't have any fluid problems or any pain. Uh, but the fact that you don't have any symptoms like that is not necessarily a good reason to avoid having a checkup every once in a while. So, while there are two main types of glaucoma, the most common form that typically affects older adults is called open-angle glaucoma. This disease develops very slowly. When the eye's drainage canals become clogged over time, leading to blind spots in the peripheral or side vision. By the time you notice it, permanent damage is already done. The next question is, are you at risk? It's estimated that more than 3 million Americans have glaucoma today, but that number is expected to surge to more than 6.3 million by 2050. If you answer yes to any of the following questions, you're at increased risk of developing. So let me find out if Randy has any risk of developing glaucoma. I didn't know when I started this that I'd be able to test him for his uh, risk of glaucoma. But Randy, if you will uh, join along, I'm going to ask you some questions to try to estimate whether or not you've got a risk of glaucoma. First question, are you African-American? No. Okay how about Hispanic Latino American or Asian uh, are you even American <laughs> I've never uh, let's let's see some ID buddy <laughs> are, are you any of those <laughs> I'm not I'm none of those subgroups no okay uh are you over age 60 oh by golly I am yes you are uh do you have an immediate family member with glaucoma
1: like well this isn't an immediate family but my grandfather had it
0: Okay. Uh, Do you have diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, migraines, or do you have extreme nearsightedness or farsightedness? That's a Uh, lot of questions to pack into one. I
1: I, I know I've got some of that, but uh, high blood pressure, you know, all that. Yeah, I, I I can claim some of that.
0: Okay. Have you had a past eye injury? No. Okay. And last question. Have you used... Have you used corticosteroids, for example, eye drops, pills, inhalers, and creams for long periods of time? Why would you use that stuff unless you already had some kind of eye problem?
1: Nope, hey. I, haven't done, I haven't done that either.
0: Okay. Well, I'd like to say that you probably have low risk, based on the rest of this article, you probably have a low risk of uh, having glaucoma. Uh, so, you know, frankly, I can't give you a, a number score like you often give to me when I'm pretty close on a, a, dumb law, but this, this is, um, I think looking, it's bodes well for your future vision. So let's put it that way. Uh, what to do about glaucoma early detection is the key to guarding against glaucoma. So if you're age 40 or older, and if you have any of the previous mentioned risk factors, especially if you're black uh, or uh, let's see, you need to get a comprehensive eye examination every 18 to 24 months, or if you notice some loss of peripheral vision, get to the eye doctor right away. If you're in Medicare, annual eye examinations are covered for those at high risk for glaucoma, or if you don't have vision coverage, uh, you can uh, contact. You can get free glaucoma eye exams. Through a pool of more than 4,600 volunteer ophthalmologists, Uh, you can visit aao.org slash eyecare-america or call 877-887-6327 to learn more. While there's currently no cure for glaucoma, most cases can be treated with prescription eye drops, which reduce eye pressure and they can prevent further vision loss. It cannot, however, restore vision that's already been lost. If eye drops don't work, your doctor may recommend oral medication, laser treatments, incisional surgery, or a combination of these methods. And like I told you, I know one person that's getting injections every, I'm going to say, six weeks in one eyeball. So glaucoma, silent blinder of people, I would recommend making sure that you don't get glaucoma unknowingly. So here's another thing that the uh, content curator has uh, wrestled with in the past. And frankly, um, she's learning how to cope with uh, this particular bodily uh, change. And the uh, article about it is what to expect before, during, and after a total knee replacement. She's had both knees done. Uh, So the question is, are you living with severe pain and limited mobility? Total knee replacement surgery might be the life-changing medical procedure you've been seeking. However, surgery in any capacity can be a little nerve-wracking. This guide aims to provide you with a clear understanding of what to expect to alleviate some of the stress. Uh, Knowing what to anticipate before, during, and after a total knee replacement can help you through this procedure with confidence. Here are the ins and outs of total knee replacement surgery and everything you need to know. Complete knee replacement, what to anticipate. The preoperative phase is the first thing you're going to encounter. This is obviously before surgery. Before undergoing a total knee replacement, several essential steps and preparations are typically involved. Your orthopedic surgeon will first do a full diagnostic workup, including a review of your medical history, a physical examination, and any necessary diagnostic imaging or laboratory testing. These evaluations aid in establishing the severity of this injury and validating total knee replacements as a viable treatment option. Pre-op preparations, anesthetic choices, risks and problems, projected results, and post-op care are all topics that you can expect to be covered. Your surgeon might suggest weight loss or quitting smoking, Well, they do that anyway, Or they may give you specific activity plans ahead of surgery. Your preoperative time should be spent communicating, scheduling, and preparing. Don't forget to talk to your doctors about any worries or questions you have. Now, the next phase is the intraoperative phase. The actual total knee replacement surgery involves several key steps. Anesthesia will be administered before surgery starts to keep you relaxed and free of discomfort. Inducing unconsciousness with general anesthesia is one method, while numbing the lower body with spinal or epidural anesthesia while awake is another. The surgeon will create an incision over the knee and remove any damaged cartilage or bone to repair the knee. Your surgeon's choice of technique will determine the extent and the uh, placement of the incision. To properly implant prosthetic components, the knee's joints' damaged bone and cartilage surfaces must be removed, and the remaining bone must be meticulously prepped. After the joint has been thoroughly examined, the prosthetic components, uh, hmm, the prosthetic components which are a metal femoral component, a metal or plastic tibial component, and a plastic spacer, are inserted to replace or to replicate natural mobility. The incision will be closed with stitches or staples, and a sterile dressing will be applied once the prosthetic parts have been implanted. Now, the post-operative phase. This is where the fun begins. After the surgery, a structured recovery process is essential for successful outcome. You'll spend some time in recovery after surgery when your vitals will be continuously watched, and you'll be taken to your hospital room. Many variables, including your current health and the complexity of the procedure and your progress toward certain pro, uh, post-operative goals, will determine the duration of your hospital state. Pain management is essential for a pleasant healing process. A mix of opioids, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medicines, and local anesthetics uh, can be part of the individual pain management strategy that your medical team creates for you. Your speedy recovery will be greatly aided by early mobilization and physical treatment. Your physical therapist will help you get started on a program of low-impact exercises and motions designed to restore this mobility, muscular strength, and balance. You can go home from the hospital with full support and home care services depending on how far along you are and your requirements. You can also be placed in a rehabilitation center briefly where you will get intense treatment and help with the uh, activities of daily living. Long-term recovery. Total knee replacement recovery is a gradual process that continues beyond the immediate post-operative phase. Your orthopedic surgeon will schedule follow-up visits to check on your recovery, inspect the healing of your incision, and test how well your total knee replacement works. Your questions and worries might also be addressed during these checkups. You'll need to keep up with your physical therapy and fitness routine to get the most out of your new knee. Your physical therapist will work with you to develop a recovery plan unique to your condition and objectives. During the healing process, you might expect some discomfort and some edema. Your healthcare team will provide advice on using cold packs, elevating the affected area, and taking pain medication as prescribed. Walking, using the stairs, and engaging in other previously restricted activities can all be resumed at a regular pace and intensity over time. Listen to your body and do what it tells you to do after the surgery, uh, gradually increasing activity level and time as tolerated. So I can speak from... Uh, some authority here because the uh, content curator went through two different total knee replacements and the recovery procedures differed from the first one, which was about five years ago, to the second one, which was about two years ago. And um, the first knee recovery involved a lot of ice and cold water circulated over the area where the surgery took place. And that was a major plan, uh, problem I hadn't uh, I hadn't planned on was getting enough ice. I thought, well, we've got an ice maker in the refrigerator. This involved going to uh, the store to get ice on a daily basis to feed this ice monster that came to live next to her uh, spot on the couch. And she laid stretched down on the couch for quite a long time with this cold water pump pushing highly chilled water through a hose that uh, surrounded her her knee, her surgical area. And of course, uh, it was important to flex the knee periodically and to go to um, rehabilitation on a regular basis. I think it started out about three times a week and uh, gradually uh, maybe tapered down to two times a week over the course of a couple of months. Uh, And eventually, after about a year, she was able to say, well, I think the knee is probably as good as it's going to get. So that was a fairly lengthy recovery process. The second knee um, brought with it a machine that's the size of an old Electrolux uh, vacuum cleaner that uh, your great-grandmother might have had in her house. It's a a horizontal machine that uh, you strap the leg into, and it bends the knee doesn't bend it a lot, but it runs all night long, in addition to having refrigerated water circulate over the wound area, the surgical area. So this machine actually was a lot harder to deal with than even going to get massive quantities of ice. But over the course of time, it facilitated a more rapid recovery. And uh, when the content curator went to her regular um Her uh, nursing or her uh, rehabilitation sessions. Often, she was used as the example for the other classmates who had various degrees of recovery to uh, accomplish. By uh, being, they would be called over, and she would be told to bend your knee, show them how it's done. Uh, Her recovery and and uh, her degree of agility uh, was apparently fascinating to everybody in this rehab place, which is a fairly sizable place. I stuck my head inside once and said, mm, not for me and went back and read comic books in the car. But basically I think that machine, while a big pain to have to set up, learn how to work and to keep, uh, you know, working, uh, all night long, every night, uh, that machine was, uh, I think responsible for a very, uh, positive outcome in the uh, eventual uh, mobility of that new knee. So both knees now are uh, fake. They're made out of titanium and uh, the the uh, owner of those two knees is now very careful when she walks around. So it's not like she's out there climbing trees and playing football and running around uh, doing the things that she did when she was a kid, but there is no pain. And that's one of the big things. She can walk without pain and uh, she can walk pretty normally if she thinks about it. So that's the story on total knee replacement. Uh, if you're in pain, uh, it may be the only solution, and it's uh, a very serious solution. But it's nothing to be afraid of because the ultimate result will probably be very beneficial. At least that's the way it worked out in our house. But it took it took a long time for that result to be achieved. And uh, frankly, I hope I don't have to go through it. So, Randy, I have not only burned up our seventy-five cents, but I probably borrowed a few cents from our next uh, our next uh, podcast episode oh, and so I'm, I'm, pretty I'm sorry sure for that
1: I think I think we're down to 72 cents for the next podcast so you didn't dip into it too bad but you know it was a great story I I always enjoy these uh, first person stories because it gives people you know listening to the story a little bit of a reason not to be as fearful as perhaps they are
0: yeah I thought <clears throat> I thought it was going to be a huge problem uh, with a cripple uh, living in my house. And it turned out to be ultimately a very good thing. It just didn't go as quickly as I had hoped it would.
1: Well, nothing ever does, at least in my case. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah, same here.
1: Nothing ever works as quick as I want it to. Well, we need to go ahead and sign off, folks. But before I do, get your pencil out. Doug still wants to hear from you at DBJ at mlmmailbag.com. That could end up being the most important email address you have in your book for a while. He is licensed nationwide to help you with your Medicare supplement planning. Check us out at the website at com. We would appreciate it if you'd find a place or two or three to give us some reviews on the content that we produce, the podcast, the books, the website, you name it. We'd love to have it. Last, but certainly not least, thank you for joining us today. We're just beginning out a new year and we're looking forward to having you with us like you were last year. We want you right here, listening to Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. And it ends up being about 32 and a half minutes usually. We're listening to Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma. No more camped out in the high ground behind Cave Creek, Arizona. And I'm going to take it easy on him again. His Fortress of Solitude, I checked it out today. It's down below the cloud layer, and I'm going to put it in about 8,900 feet.
0: Thank you, Randy. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. I'm looking forward to having you join us again for our next episode. Bye-bye.